0: Stories from Upanishads, retold by Argya Goswami. My dear friends and listeners, it's been a while I could upload any new episodes, the reason being multiple, but here I am with a new story from the Upanishads. Before I begin, my earnest request to you to follow, subscribe, like, share or download my podcast. It will immensely help me to keep going and provide you with these contents. Also, please do write to me at my email address, arghyathings at gmail.com. That is A-R-G-H-Y-A-T-H-I-N-K-S at gmail.com. I receive emails from my listeners and we discuss lots of things and often goes into a discovery session on various questions it's real fun and interesting I would really encourage you to write to me today's story is a follow-up or a continuation story from three characters on which I have already told you earlier Pravahana's story was discussed in episode number 14, that is, story of three friends, Pravahana, Silaka, and chaitikayana Udalaka Aruni and Ketu's story was discussed in episode 15, Tattwam Asi, Story of Udalaka Aruni and Shweta Ketu I would highly recommend you to listen to them to understand the continuity. As per the book The Character of Self in Ancient India by Brian Black brings in a portrayal of character contributes in philosophical position of the text, such as the character of Shweta Ketu, which has been mentioned in Brihadaranyaka Upanishad, Chandogya Upanishad and Kausitaki Upanishad. As per Upanishadak researcher Patrick Oliveley, there are variations in the character and presentation in different Upanishads. These different Upanishads present the same story in different ways. He argues that this variation in presentation is deliberate and each version has its own narrative logic. Different portrayals of Shvetaketu and Pravahana Jayavali in different Upanishads tells out something about the overall stance. Bolivle concluded that Bhridharanik Upanishad favors the East and is critical about Kuru, Panchala, Brahmins and presents Shvetaketu as a rude and spoiled Brahmin. However, in Chandogya Upanishad, the portrayal is more conservative and presents the story of Shweta Ketu and Udalaka Aruni more positively. Thus, the portrayal of certain characters in Upanishads is a part of the narrative strategy and political positioning of the text. If in case you have not listened to my story of Tat Twam Asi, please do listen to that episode. In Brother Aranyaka and Chandogya Upanishad, Shweta Ketu's story introduces teachings of five fires and two paths, whereas in Kausitaki Upanishad, it introduces the doctrine of the path to heaven. Another important point to note is that in Chandogya Upanishad, seem to emphasize on the formal instruction between the teacher and the student more such as a story of Tatvam Asi. Whereas Bhridharanik Upanishad focuses mostly on debates such as stories of Yajna Today's story is featured in Bhridharanik Chapter 6, Section 2. Chronologically, this story falls after Chapter 15, when Shweta Ketu gained the knowledge of Tatvam Asi from his father Udalakaruni. As per the book, Political History of Ancient India by Hemchandra Rai Chaudhuri Pravahana Jaivali was a Panchala king and a contemporary to King Janaka of Videha. We have already heard his story when he and his two other friends exchanged their experiences of Brahman and how he brought out the significance of Om. As a king, Pravahana was a good ruler and was ruling his kingdom as per the ancient Hindu polity as explained by Bhishma Pitamaha in Shanti Parva of Mahabharata. Pravahana was the man of action, knower of truth and perceptor of Atman. As we have seen that in the courtroom of King Janaka of Videha was filled with scholars and well-versed Brahmins, so was King Pravahana's courtroom. It was also filled with innumerable eminent scholars and Brahmins questing for fame, name and money. Today's story begins from the point when Shvetaketu, weaponized with the knowledge of Vedas and true knowledge from his father about Brahman, comes to King Pravahana's courtroom. Completely drenched in arrogance about the knowledge of Vedas and Brahman, which he used as a means to measure others' knowledge and asked the guard of the courtroom seeking to see the king. The guards informed the king about Shvetaketu's arrival. Pravhana knew about the deadly pride which has coiled Shetoketu completely like a python. He also knew that this will not bring any fame rather only aid in his downfall. So he decided to teach him a lesson. He asked the guards to bring him to the courtroom. As Shweta Ketu entered boldly, he saw great scholars, wise men and courtmen sitting in the courtroom. They were all looking at him. They were curious to know what will happen next. Shweta Ketu burnt in his pride, didn't bother to pay much heed to these great scholars and rather walked up straight to the king. The king smiled without showing much respect, said, Oh boy! Have you been taught by your father? King Pravana being a Kshatriya, addressing a Brahmin in this manner was quite unexpected. This shook Shweta and other Brahmins in the courtroom. Taken aback, Shweta replied, Yes sir. If you have a doubt, please question me. The King nodded and smiled and thought for a while. Then he asked the Brahmin, Do you know how it is the beings travel over different paths after death how they would return to this world shwetaketu was not expecting such a question he had no idea on what he would respond to so he said no sir i do not know about it the king asked his next question how is it that the world of the dead is never filled although many die and pass away before shvetaketu could answer anything the king asked his next question how does the water that is offered as oblation rises and speaks with human voice as it were the king continues his next question what is devayana that is way of the god and pitriyana the access to the way of the mains. How does one gain access to them? Then the king continued. We have heard the words of mantra from the sages Dwe Suti Navam Pitrina Maham Deva Naamud Matriarnam Tabhyamidam Vishwame Jatsamiti Yadantara Pitram Matram Cha Iti Nhamat ekanchan vediti hovacha, which means I have heard the two roots from men leading to the gods, and then two mains going along with them all. This is united. They lie between the father, that is the heaven, and mother, that is the earth. Śvetaketu was completely stumped. He was at the loss of words and could only nod and said, Sir, I do not know them. These questions pertained to the secret lore of Kshatriyas and had been jealously guarded by them as Raja or the royal secret. Completely uprooted, Shwetketu stood there in the courtroom, not knowing what to do next. The king invited him to stay. He asked the court ladies to bring water for washing his feet and customary offerings for the respected guest. But Shvetaketu rejected the invite and hurried away from the courtroom. Boiling with anger, he came back to his father, the sage Udalakha Aruni. He was so angry that he didn't even greeted his parents. The sage knew something was cooking up. Shvetaketu asked his father, Father, how do you say that you have taught me everything every branch of knowledge the sage asked what happened my child you seem to be hurt by someone angry shwetaketu roared that wretched kshatriya king Pravahana. he asked me questions and i didn't know the answers to any one of them see how i am disgraced in the courtroom filled with scholars and learned men and women I could not answer even one question asked by that Kshatriya and it's all because of you. Then Shwetaketu told his father about the questions which the king had asked. On hearing these questions the sage told his son, My child, believe me, I have taught you everything I knew of. As far as Pravahana's questions, unfortunately I too don't have complete answers to them. That is why they weren't taught to you. Let me propose you something, my child. Let us both go to king's courtroom as a seeker of truth and as students. Shweta Ketu was adamant and refused to go. As he thought he was humiliated by the king in the courtroom, he could not bear a single moment in that courtroom. After repeated pleading, the sage failed to convince his son. sage Udalaka decided to go alone. He went to the courtroom of the king and with all humility greeted all the scholars and the king. The reception that awaited him was entirely different. The king gave him a seat, washed his feet and made him the reverential offerings of cattle and horses. With all humility he told the king, I am grateful to you my king for all the honor and the offer of gifts. But I haven't come here for the sake of gifts. I have come here to seek the answers to the questions you have asked my son Shweta Please grant me the treasure of knowledge, which is far superior than any type of treasure or wealth. I approach you as a student, my king. The king was deeply touched by the sage's humility and hunger for his knowledge. He knew that it is his sincerity which qualifies the seeker to the reception of the knowledge of Brahman. With folded hands, the king told the sage, O sage Udalaka, please do not take offense with us. This learning was never shared with the Brahmins in the past. However, your sincerity and humility is pristine as your earnestness is also excellent, which has won my heart. So I shall teach you about it. So please listen to the answers." The king continued, but he started responding to the fourth question first, as this would bring out the solution to the other questions. He started explaining the Panchagni Vidya, which is the knowledge of five fires. Friends, Panchagni Vidya is also mentioned in Chandogya Upanishad in chapter 5 and also in Vridhar and upanishad this knowledge of or vidya presents the symbolic agni or fire is the object of meditation and has five important aspects to it and they are three worlds that is heaven earth and intermediate space man and woman this knowledge or vidya is taught in connection with the doctrine of transmigration of souls as the doctrine of descent The Panchagni Vidya or the knowledge of five fires explains how the body is linked to the universe and why the mind's true nature is to manifest its will in the universe. The five fires called Panchagnis are not physical fires but meditation techniques. The fire here is a symbolic of a sacrifice which one performs through contemplation. The elemental matter gets converted into life or a person gradually by going through five different stages. These five different stages represent the five different sacrifices or Panchagni. In Chandogya Upanishad, it conceives the entire universal activity of creation as a yajna or sacrifice, where everything is connected. Now coming back to the story. The king began his panchagni vidya with the first fire that is swarga loka or heaven. He said, O sage, that swarga or heaven is a fire, and of that fire sun is the fill or summit or the sacrificial stick. The rays of the sun are its smoke, the days its flames, the four quarters its cinder, and the intermediate quarters are its sparks. In this fire, the gods offer faith and out of that offering King Moon is born. Here what is meant that the heaven is the first fire and the sun is the fuel to that fire because sun illuminates the heaven. The rays of its smoke because of the similarity of rising from the fill for the rays emanate from the sun and the smoke as we know it comes from the fuel the day is flame because both are bright due to sun the day shines but brightly so are the flames which shines brightly the four quarters are cinder because both present the pacified state as it is like a space where there is no heat or luster the intermediate quarters is sparks because they are scattered like sparks in this fire of heaven possesses such attributes. The gods, that is Indra, offer faith as oblation. When Agnihotra is performed, the jivas become Soma Raja, that is the King Moon, and enters Vargar Loga or Heaven. Thus out of that offering, King Moon, which are the king of Mains, and Brahmins are born. Then the king continued to explain about the second fire, which is Varjanya. Varjanya, the god of rain, is a fire, the year is its will, the clouds is smoke, lightning is flame, thunder is cinder, and the rumbling is spark. In this fire of gods, offer Somaraja or the king moon, out of that offering, rain is produced. This means the second receptacle of the two oblations in the order of their return is Parjanya, which is the fire. The ear is its fill, and for this fire, Parjanya is kindled by that it is revolved with its parts commencing with autumn and ending with summer. The clouds is smoke, being produced from smoke, or because its cloudy appearance, lightning is flame, since both are luminous. Thunder is cinder because both represent a pacified state and are hard. The rumblings of the cloud are sparks because both scatter and are numerous. In this receptacle of two oblation, the gods, those very priests mentioned earlier, offer King Moon, who was produced out of the offering of faith in the fire of heaven, he is offered in the second fire that is of Parjanya and out of that offering of moon rain is produced The king now started explaining about the third fire The world is a fire, the earth is its fill The fire its smoke, the night is its flame The moon is cinder and the stars its sparks In this fire the gods offer rain And out of that offerings, food is produced. In this the king meant is the world where all creatures are born and experience the results of their past deeds. It contains of actions, its factors and its results. This world is the third fire. The earth is the fuel of this fire as it is kindled by the earth which is provided with numerous materials for enjoyment of living beings. Fire is its smoke as they both rise from their abode, that is Earth. The night is its flame because both are created when they come in contact with the fuel. That means as the flame is produced by the contact of fuel with fire, so is the night by the contact of fuel of the Earth. For the Earth's shadow is called the darkness of the night. The moon is its cinder and is created from flames. The cinder produced from the flames And so is the moon in the night Because both represent the pacified state The stars is sparks because both scatter The food is produced only when there is adequate rainfall So food is produced from rain Again the king continued to explain about the fourth fire Man is the fourth fire, O sage The open mouth is his fill the vital force is its smoke, the speech is its flames, the eyes it is cinder, and the ears is sparkle. In this fire gods offer food, and out of that offering seed is produced. This verse explains the fourth fire which is the man. The open mouth of a man is the fill as through it the man shines in speech. Study the scripture as fire with fill. Vital forces rises from the mouth and is the smoke. Speech is the flame of, as the speech signifies an object, whereas flames reveals everything around it. Eyes is cinder as both represents the pacified state. The forms of vital forces are the gods and they put in the food for man and outcome of that food is the seed as the man when he adult and received complete nourishment and ready to have reproductive building blocks such as sperm and an egg which acts as a seed. Thus seed is the outcome of the food. Now the king tells the sage Aruni about the fifth fire. Women are the fifth fire. In this fire gods offer seed and out of that offering a man is born. He lives as long as he is destined to live. Here the king explained that the women are the fifth fire and when gods offer seed and man is born from it, this means that seeds such as sperm or eggs in the uterus when they come together, refuses to give birth to a human being. That man will live as long as he is destined to live. Just to tie up the explanation of Panchagni, we can think of this as a sequential set of occurrences on how a life is born in his mother's womb. This process starts when the jiva, which has ascended to the heaven by the virtue of good deeds and when those merits are exhausted, descend to the earth to take up another life in form of rain. Then the self ends as a food grain of a growing plant which has grown because of the rain. This food grain, when consumed by a man, enters the bloodstream and eventually turns into sperm. Finally, when after sexual intercourse, the seminal fluid along with the jiva enters the woman's womb and gets embodied. Friends, don't you think our ancient sages and writers of Upanishads were way advanced in all the streams of science, including gynecology? They could think of the complex scientific phenomena and explain them through spiritualistic verses. Amazing, isn't it? The king didn't stop after this, rather he continued. Then, when the man dies, His dead body is offered to the fire As this lifeless body burns in the pyre The smoke from his burning tissues rise above So this fire becomes his fire The fuel becomes his fuel The smoke his smoke The flame his flame The cinder his cinder The sparks his sparks As the dead body completely burns out And turns into ashes In this fire gods offer man And out of that offering, man emerges radiant. That means the man burning on the pyre becomes exceedingly bright as his lifeless body ferociously burns out, having been purified by all the rites performed from his birth till his death. After explaining the Panchagni to Dalaka, the king started explaining further. As long as the householders or the people who are in Grihastha do not know either the Meditation on the Five Fires or Satya Brahman They are born from the fire of a woman when the fifth oblation beginning with that of faith has been offered in order and again perform rites like the Agnihotra with a view to attaining other world. Through those rites they again go through the world of manes, passing order of deity of smoke etc and again return, passing in order, the rain god and so forth then they are again born of fire of women again perform rites and so on, rotating constantly like a potter's wheel by their comings and goings between this world and the next but when the householder or the grihastha know the meditation on five fires They are freed from the rotation and reach the flame, which is the deity identified with the flame and called by that name, which is stationed in the northern route. They reach him, for the monks have no direct relation to the flame, but there is no restriction with regard to the time of death. So the day is the deity of the day. Death occurs as soon as the term or contract of life is over, There is no rule that the knower of this meditation can die at daytime or those who must die at night. After deity of the day, they reach the deity of the bright fortnight and then reach the six months in which the sun travels northward, which is the June solstice. When the sun rises considerably north of due east and sets considerably north of due west, Being conducted by these deities, they reach the deity identified with the world of gods. Then they reach the sun. From the sun they reach the deity identified with lightning. As they reach the deity of lightning, a being created from the minds of Hiranagarbha, a denizen of this world comes and contacts them to the worlds of Hiranagarbha. Once reaching the worlds of Hiranagarbha, Do not return to this world The physical body of a man Dissolves into elements Which constitute it But the destiny Of the soul depends on The actions performed And knowledge acquired The king Continued the explanation While those who conquer the world Through sacrifices such as Agnihotra, charity Which is distribution of gifts among poor and needy outside the altar. And austerity such as Kracha or Chandrayana without initiation outside the altar reach the deity of smoke. All the deities are conductors and help to reach the next deity in order. From deity of night to the deity of fourth moon in which the moon wanes to the deity of six months in which the moon moves southwards which is the December solstice and when the sun rises considerably south of due east and sets considerably south of due west from this they reach the deity of the world of mains, and from him the moon on reaching moon they become the food for the gods to enjoy them as the priests drink in the sacrifices the shining somarasa or the juice Similarly, the gods, too, enjoy the ritualists who have got the new bodies in the moon and have become materials of their luxury, giving them frequent intervals of rest by rewarding them in accordance of their past work. When the past work, sacrifices, charities and austerities are exhausted, they reach the ether or space. Then those ritualists living in the air are born hither and thither by the east wind. Then from the air they reach the rain and fall to the earth as rain. The rain aids in growing of the crops and plants which become food. The food is eaten by the man and the woman and produce seeds such as semen and eggs respectively for reproduction. When they are born again, they perform rites such as Agnihotra with a view to go to other worlds. Then they move repeatedly between moon and the world passing in the order as mentioned earlier. The ritualists continuously rotate in this manner as a potter's will until they know about Brahman so as to attain the northern way or immediate liberation. The one who does not practice either meditation or rites to attain northern way or southern way become insects or moths or other lower creatures such as gnats and mosquitoes. This last transmigratory existence is very painful and extremely hard for the one who has fallen into it and get out of it. Friends, note the word worlds in the plural which means it has two planes, higher and the lower. Is it a concept of multiverse? Something to think about. The purport of these verses is to try our best to give up natural pursuit of work and knowledge and practice those rites and meditation which are enjoined by the scriptures and are means of attaining northern or southern ways which are the two paths. The first path is the path of light called Devayana and the other path is the path of darkness called Pitriyana or Dhumayana. They respectively correspond to the day and night and also referred to as Uttarayana and Dakshinayana. The knower of Brahman, all seasons and times are same for him to its only homecoming of the Spirit. When the person returns to his real home, it hardly matters whether it is day or night or what season of the year it is, the one who has attained the real spiritual knowledge goes by the path of light and does not return to the earthly existence. The one with no knowledge or partial knowledge goes by the path of darkness and falls into eternal cycle of birth and death and suffers. Thus, some go to the world of Brahman and never return, while some go to the heaven and remain there for some time and return to the earth to complete their cycle of birth and death. The land of death never fills up because those who travel by Devayana lose their individuality and become one with Brahman. If they are gradually able to realize Brahman by Krama Mukti. The significance of sacrifice is that this Agnihotra, which is the process of yag of casting of various sacrifices into the fire altar, is Adhyatmic with the spiritual dimension. The sense of Brahman, as felt in the human heart, is the Hotra, the officiating priest of the entire sacrifice. The oblations of water goes up as faith, shraddha, and is offered as a nectar or somarasa to the shining ones. This is how it speaks with the human voice, as it were on behalf of one who offers it. The significance of such cosmic agnihotra is that it enables some to meditate on satya brahman. Thereby one may attain the abode of brahman, Brahmaloka, where one lives forever and does not return to the world. After getting enriched by this knowledge, sage Udalakharuni profusely thanked King Pravahana for enlightening him about the great mystery of Brahman. It dissolved all his doubts and got answers to all his questions. And before leaving the courtroom, the sage saluted the king. Namo Gurubha! Namo Gurubha! Friends, across Upanishad you may have noticed that the true knowledge is not confined to Brahmins and scholars only. There are numerous accounts and stories in which the true knowledge of Brahman is actually given by a Kshatriya or someone else. We have seen that in the story of King Janasruti and the puller Raikwa. In the story of Satyakama, He was taught about the Brahman by non-human entities. So true knowledge can reside in anyone. We are all container of knowledge, and it is really up to us how we decide to use it and spread it. There is no casteism in true knowledge. The true knowledge is a blue ocean where we are the aquatic animals swimming in it. It's really up to us how much we can make use of it just like some fishes which stay at the bottom as bottom dwellers throughout this lifetime and never gets to see or experience what is at the surface of the ocean. Similarly, there are many aquatic animals and fishes who dwell only at the surface and never goes to the bottom and always remain a mystery for them. The real king are those fishes which can travel across from surface to bottom and vice versa, such as a shark, and can experience the waters everywhere. So let us swim through this ocean of knowledge and let us not be confined to only an area, rather swim across and gain as much knowledge we can. This is what the story of Udalaka Aruni and King Pravahana tells us. The sage, being a learned and respected Brahmin, left all his ego and went to the king as a student seeking knowledge and in the end he honoured the king by calling him a guru or a teacher. So, that was today's episode from Biradara Nekopanishad and I hope you liked it. Now let me ask today's question from the story. Question number one. What had made Shwetake too arrogant and proud? Question number two What is Devayana and Pitrayana? Question number three, what are the five fires or Panchagni? Please email me your answers to ArgyaThinks at gmail.com that is A R G H Y A T H I N K S at Gmail.com. And I will look out for your responses. And until then, Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. if you wish to start your own podcast, visit www.hubhopperstudio.com. Source content collected from various books on Upanishads such as Messages of the Upanishads by Swami Ranganathananda, Brihadda Aranyaka Upanishad by Swami Madhavananda, 8 Upanishads from Advaita Ashrama, Upanishads.org, Vedas and Upanishads for Children by Rupapai and several other write-ups and thoughts on Upanishads. Background music is sourced from various royalty-free music sources, Apple loops, internet archives with non-commercial 4.0 international license. Om Shanti chants are from YouTube source Gaya Sanskrit. This podcast was conceptualized, scripted, narrated and audio designed by Argya Goswami.